We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We have the beautiful privilege of baptism together this morning. You may or may not be aware, we were supposed to have these two outdoor baptisms this morning. However, the weather did not cooperate with that, but we are thankful for the rain. We are thankful that God has brought us that refreshment, and so we're doing our baptism indoors this morning. And so we'll leave Guthrie Falls to a different day. Um, and instead, we will baptize inside. First this morning, Emily, come on down. It's Emily Porter. Emily has made her profession of faith and is ready to be baptized. And so we are grateful to walk through this with her. Emily, do you profess Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Yes, I do. All right. Well, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in His death and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Laney, come on down. Next is Laney Moon. It's been fun to walk with Laney through faith in this last year or so. We're grateful for her. Laney, do you profess Jesus as your Savior and Lord? I now uh, baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his death. And raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Let's offer a prayer for these two. Father, we thank you for Emily. We thank you for Laney and their faith. Lord, and for how you're working in their lives and in the lives of this church. Lord, we praise you for the, the picture of redemption that baptism is. And we pray that we'd remember our own and live in the beauty of that baptism. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. sing glory. We are here to worship our good God and Savior. Amen? Amen? Amen. As we begin, let's lift our hearts upward. Follow along as I read from Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? 
But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and new wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Amen. God is a God of righteousness and he calls us to be righteous. The psalm talks to us specifically about how God honors that. Aren't you, God, aren't you glad that God will deliver you when you call upon him? When you submit your life to him, he will deliver you. Let us sing of that truth. He is able to deliver thee. Hymn 24, stand to your feet. Let's sing. And take a moment and welcome those around you in worship this morning. The sound of fellowship is indeed sweet. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. So be honest with me. What was your first response when you were woken up this morning by lightning? Was it? <laughs> was it, I don't have to water the lawn today? Yes? Grateful for the abundance and provision of the Lord. Rain is always a reminder of that. Amen that God provides. Also, do you rejoice when you have an obstacle to get to worship? And I, I ask this sincerely. When, you, when, it's, when it's a challenge to get to worship, there's something sweeter about being in this room. It was tough. Sometimes it's hard to get up and get everybody together, to get, to get in the car, to make it all the way down here. And yet when you do and you sit and you worship, you feel God say, well done. Well done. We have come to worship a great God this morning. 
And so for the gathered assembly here, we are thankful. For those that, that weren't able to make it out for whatever reason, it was difficult to get here. We are thankful for our TV ministry. Amen? Amen. We are grateful that we can, we can speak wherever you are and know that you are a part of this fellowship. So let us, let us worship this great God this morning. And as we do, let's begin with prayer. God, we've already seen you at work. We've already seen a testimony of lives devoted to you and in obedience to come through baptism. We rejoice with that. We've had the privilege of singing together as the gathered assembly to acknowledge that you are a God of promises fulfilled. You will deliver us, and for that we say thank you. We have already worshipped today by reading your word, and we recognize what a privilege that is to come together to hold and exalt your holy word, to hear from it by the work of your Holy Spirit. We say thank you. And so we dedicate this hour to, to your work, Lord. Wherever we may be, would you stir us to respond? Call men and women to your service today. Let words be spoken that will speak gospel truth to all that are assembled. We ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to go back to the word of God this morning. We're going to go back to Psalm 1. This beautiful, powerful word. I don't know if you're like me. I love Landa Park in New Braunfels. You go by the, that waters and those trees, there's just something about them that just scream life, don't they? Always green because they're near the water. So consider Landa Park as I read this great psalm. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Let that be said of this church. We, we plant ourselves in the living water of Jesus Christ. Let's continue to worship. Please take your hymnals and turn to 151. The way of the cross leads home. Stand together. Please be seated. There he is. Whew. 
Got nervous for just a second. Let me invite my pastor to the front. Hello, pastor. Welcome. Supposed to have a crew following with me, too. I think they're coming. Come on down, everybody. I made it out of the water. Come sit with me. Good to see you guys this morning. I love the rubber boots. There's some people that got soaked this morning. Any of y'all get soaked this morning? No, I saw some people coming in earlier that were just wet as those girls that got baptized. Yeah. Oh, I see a Texas Tech dress too down there. Are you, are you supposed to do guns up or something? Is that what we do? Is that right? All right, come on down. Come on down, everybody. Just got a couple of questions for y'all today. Today we're talking about trees. Do y'all know? Do y'all know anything about trees? You know a little bit about trees. Cherry tree? You know a lot about cherry tree? That's good to know if I need uh, some cherry tree advice. Let me ask you this. What, just say it out loud. What is the biggest tree or where is the biggest tree you've ever seen? Where did you see? Just say it out loud. California. California. Oh, there's some big ones out there. Where In the river? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. the tree of life? Yeah, the tree of life. I bet that's a big one too, isn't it? Yeah. That's right. I have a couple other questions for you. If you have a, a healthy tree, so there's a healthy tree in your yard or in your neighborhood, or you just see a healthy tree out in the park, what are some of the things that you see growing on healthy trees? When healthy trees are good and healthy, just say it out loud. What, what's growing on a healthy tree? L leaves, fruit, yeah, what, what else is growing in a tree when it's healthy? Pecans. Flowers. Pecans. Pecans, yeah, anything else. What else is growing when you see a healthy tree? What's that? Air, yeah, so it's like, it's like breathing, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Y'all are good. Now, let me ask you one more thing. So if you see a healthy tree, you see fruit like oranges or pecans or whatever, you see a healthy tree. What are some of the things that helps make a tree healthy? Does it, do any of you know? What are some of the things? Just, just say it out loud. Water? Yeah. Carbon dioxide. What? Sun. Sun. Yeah, what else? Get, so, yeah, you've got to have good soil. Anything, what else makes a tree healthy? Anything else? Those, I think you've, we've got them all, right? Soil, water, sun. What, what else? Um, food. Food. Um, yeah, that's right. The food. Vegetables. and Vegetables. I think trees probably love their vegetables. That's right. <laughs> now, I say that because in the sermon today, one of the things that we're talking about is often in Scripture. So in your Bible, it kind of looks like this. Yeah, it has fruit on it. When you, when you look in your Bible, one of the things in one of the um, analogies or pictures that the Scripture used to talk about healthy Christians, you see, healthy Christians are like a tree, a tree planted by the waters that grows big and strong and has lots of fruit. And so if we're a tree, what helps make us healthy? There's a number of things that you need to be in. So if you're going to grow and be a big, strong, healthy tree that has lots of fruit, you need to be in the Word of God, and you need to be in prayer. So when we're by living waters, that's getting the living water of God. So it's like being near your Bible and in your Bible. It's about being near God in prayer and, and praying to God and talking to God. And those things are the things that kind of help build us up and help us to grow and be strong and bear much fruit. And so I want you to listen carefully to the sermon today. But all the time we mention, times we mention trees during the sermon. Okay, let's pray and we'll go. Father, we thank you for this time together. We pray that you would help us to grow into the men and women that you've called us to be. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Okay, I confess to you. I might have watched my three-year-old daughter pray. She had one eye on me and one eye she knew she was supposed to close, so there's, there's nothing better, folks, than watching, watching your kids be instructed in the way of the Lord and watching them to figure out what it means to worship and pray. So let us con continue to our own worship and, and just consider, consider your own life. And pastor's going to talk about this in a minute, but men, David's story, is, he, he's not alone in, in his bent to sin. We are all prone to wander. But aren't you grateful that grace is greater? Amen. That God calls us back to him. And he has made a way that we may be whole again. And if we're not here screaming that every week, we're missing it. Grace is greater than our sin. Hymn 329, let us sing that together.
continue to worship. You may be seated. If you would, turn in your listening sheet. We're in 2 Samuel 11 today. We're going to read the final three verses of that chapter together. Let me gather my things as you pull, pull that out. Let's stand and let's read the text together. This then is the text for today. Then David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to Joab, do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as the other. Make your battle against the city stronger 
and overthrow it, and so encourage him. Now when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. This week, we have been studying together all of 2 Samuel 11. And as Aaron encouraged us last week, I hope we do stay in the text together all week long. We have been studying this David and Bathsheba story. And next week, we will move into 2 Samuel chapter 12, where we'll get the the rest of the story. So please continue to, to read along with us. Um, as we move from week to week. A hollow tree on a cartoon seems like the best. See, whenever there's a hollow tree on a cartoon, you can expect a, a fluffy bunny to come hopping out. Or if there's a hollow tree on a cartoon, you expect elves to be baking delicious cookies. The hollow tree on a cartoon is one of the most inviting places in all of storybook land. It's the perfect home for the cutest creatures. But have you ever looked inside an actual hollow tree? Every hollow tree that I've ever looked in has been filled with insects wallowing in mush. And most of the ones I remember seeing were just lying on the forest floor as a rotting tribute to death. Even giant trees that were once expansive had a rotten core that eventually collapsed. And and it all started with the tiniest intruder, the tiniest intruder finding a way into that tree. One weak spot and the tree begins rotting from the inside out. One weak spot, and we begin rotting from the inside out. This is where our text begins today. Now, to be clear, up until this point, we've been studying the the life and kingship of David in 2 Samuel. And to be clear, up until this point, we've seen the the first uh, 10 chapters of 2 Samuel. And even before that, David has been an oak. No storm could uproot David's life because he was planted firmly inside the will and the word of God. In the fury of battle, David stood strong. But here this week, when we get to 2 Samuel chapter 11, in the quiet laziness of an evening, the tiniest intruder found David's weakness. It was temptation. Temptation had sunk into his heart, and it was turning into sin. And and that temptation into sin quickly caused David to crumble. It was from idleness to lust to adultery to lying to murder to a cover-up. And the sin was building quickly in all of this. David had become a death trap waiting to collapse in on himself. And so we we hear a story like this after a, a man after God's own heart falling in such a way. And her reaction to this is just bewilderment. How could anyone in this world string together such a terrible sequence of events that move from lust to adultery to murder? How could any man do such a thing? And beyond that, this is David, a man after God's own heart. How could he do such a thing as this? And and he was the greatest king that the nation of Israel ever had. How in the world could he allow this to happen? But you, you know the answer to that question. Because we've lived it. The very saved people of this church have lived these same ways. We've lived it. Tem- temptation has come into our, le- our lives, and by nature, it's enticing and it's lurking everywhere. And we, we've all succumbed to it. We, and we've begun to, to rot on the inside. See, every temptation is the same. It's the the tiniest creature trying to sneak in wherever it can. Another opportunity for sin to creep into your life and destroy you from the inside out. 
You see, sin, any, any sin, the lustful longings to the murder destroy you and they hollow out your soul as it separates you from God. You see this play out in a number of instances in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11. As we work through the first six verses, you see this. You see all these verbs move quickly through the sin. Then we get to, 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 to verse 7 and beyond. And David's rate of deterioration is alarming. It's alarming how quickly it comes and how quickly it all falls apart. And we're no better than King David. If, if this falls apart as quickly as it does for him, so our lives can go when that, that tiniest little temptation seeps into our heart and, and begins to take root as sin. See, when we give in to temptation, our lives can deteriorate in an instant. You'll quickly find yourselves in situations you never imagined you would be in. And with each passing step, these things unfold. You see it unfold in David's life. We, we feel it in our own lives. As the sin continues to unfold, with each passing step, you become desensitized to it all, desensitized to sin. You see, one of the horrors of our sin is that when we move from temptation into sin, that, that sin begins to cause us to rot from the inside. And as that happens, we lose our feeling. We, we lose our feeling and our connection with God. We lose our feeling to the sense of the gravity of our sin. And, and we begin to, to have this internal destruction. And as we, we lose our sensitivity and we become destroyed on the inside, we begin to convince ourselves that everything is fine. Everything's fine. Everything's going to work out like it needs to. You see, that's what, that's what David is, is telling us all through the, as we move from 1 to 6 and 7 and through 17. All along the way, David is saying, this, this is all just going to work out. If we can make this happen or that happen, we can, we can, we can cover this. And nobody has to know it. It doesn't have to come out. We don't have to have any consequences to this. And so as he moves along in this text with Bathsheba, with each passing destructive decision... David is acting like everything's fine. And never having any sense of the pain that he's even inflicting upon himself. David is dying and he doesn't even know it. There's a hollow cavity within his heart. Which may be the very place that many of us find ourselves today. Unaware that we're rotting from the inside, dying, and we don't even know it. When we lived in Waco, we used to go on hikes in Cameron Park. Sometimes I'd go with the girls, sometimes I'd go by myself and could hike along the Brazos River and around all through the park. And I marveled often at this large, hollowed-out cottonwood tree that was along the trail. It was even kind of beautiful in its deterioration. Then one day came along down the trail and that giant cottonwood had fallen over and it took out about four other trees with it when it fell to the side. See all through this text we see David rotting from the inside out and as he, he crumbles and his life falls apart he begins to take the people that are around him, down with him. See, clearly Uriah is a casualty of David's rotten destructiveness. Joab is commandeered by David, and Bathsheba is never going to be the same after this encounter. See, as David is falling, he's taking everybody near him, down with him. You see, the longer that we allow sin to fester in our lives, this is what, what happens. This is the nature of sin. Sin comes by way of temptation. It begins to cause us to rot from the inside out. And then as our life crumbles, the people around us fall with us. Your sin, any lingering sin, will eventually rip you apart. And it'll, it'll rip apart the people that surround you too. Sin not only separates you from God, but it will destroy the relationships that you happen to be in at that moment. And as David sinned, he tried to get more and more people to sin with him. It wasn't just that he was taking them down with him, but he was inviting them into sin. 
First he drags Bathsheba into his sinful ways. Then he, then he tries to drag Uriah into his sinful ways and breaking the ritual laws of war and getting Uriah drunk. And then maybe the most telling thing happens. The most telling thing I think happens in verse 25. You'll look there with me. It's on your listening sheet or you can look in your text. Um, 2 Samuel 11 verse 25. It says this, David is sending a messenger to, to Joab. He says to Joab, do not let this thing displease you. That's his word. Do not let it displease you. And that, that may not be the best translation here because David literally tells Joab here, don't let this matter be evil in your eyes. It's a direct correlation where he, he's reaching out to Joab and says, I know this looks evil and this may even feel evil to you, but, but hear me. It's not evil. It's not murder. What we did was okay. It, it, was, it was right even. David begins to pull him down with him. He's trying to convince his comrade that what they did wasn't murder. What they did wasn't evil. That it wasn't sinful. But, but hear me here. It doesn't really matter what, what David says about this instance, does it? it? It doesn't really matter what we have to say about the things that have happened. It doesn't even really matter what we believe about the things that have happened. Because we do not get to write the rules. Often we think we rise to a position or we get to some place where we can legislate authority, but we cannot. Humanity has never been able and will never be able to legislate any kind of morality in who we're supposed to be. God is the one who sets the course. God is the one who sets the law and has from the beginning. And here David is trying to assume that. and He tells Joab, this is not evil. And God says, yes, it is. I don't care what you have to say about this. Just because you want something to be true, just because you want it to be over, doesn't make it true and it doesn't make it over. You can ratify your actions all you want. You can justify your ways in all the ways that you want to, but our pronouncements are hollow. In fact, if, if our pronouncements and the things that we say and the things that we claim do not line up with this book that I'm holding in my hand, they are hollow and they are worthless. And God is looking down on David in this moment and saying, every word that's coming out of your mouth is hollow. It's worthless because you have drifted from my word and from my law. See, David doesn't have the right to tell Joab what's evil and what isn't evil. And that's why we get the last line of this chapter. It's one of the most intriguing things about this chapter. It's, um, it's amazing writing. As you get through this whole chapter 11, God is not mentioned until the very last word of the chapter. God doesn't even seem to be present. He's not even David's thoughts as we work through the entire chapter. And then, and then the, the last sentence and the last word of chapter 11, it, it says this, but the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. It's the same word, it's the same phrase that he used to Joab. He says, Joab, this is not evil in your sight. Don't let it be evil in your eyes. And then the last words, God says, David, this is evil. This is evil in the sight of the Lord. And this is where the world spends much of their lives. See, most people, leave it, even, even Christians, find themselves living hollow lives, rotting from the inside, trying to convince our desensitized selves and anyone that will listen to our desensitized selves that everything's fine and everything's going to be just fine. But sin... Every single sin is causing you to rot from the inside. You know, as I was studying this week, I learned a few things about dendrology, like what the word dendrology meant. <laughs> um, the word dendrology is, is uh, the study of trees. And so as I was working on this sermon, I was looking at the study of trees, I learned that many, if not most trees, have some kind of hollow cavity. They had some kind of little intruder, a fungus or a bacteria or an insect or something that came in. Some little intruder came in and invaded the tree, began to rip apart its insides. But many trees will battle. In fact, many trees will fight off the decay and survive the intrusion. And you see a little hole instead of a tree laying on the ground. Now, sadly, you cannot do that. You are not capable of such things. Once sin enters into your life, you will be rotten to the core, apart from the work of God. See, this is where the grace of God comes in. This is our hope this morning. As we, we hear this devastating passage 
of a great biblical leader, the hope is found in the nature of our God. Because this is the nature of our God. That whatever rottenness you have within yourself, God is ready and willing and able to fix it this morning. God has said all along, I, I am here to heal you and redeem your life, to pull you out of those temptations and the snares of your sin. I will heal your heart and I will heal your land. I am ready and willing and able to do that this morning. Do, do you understand this is the very reason Jesus Christ went to the cross? The very reason we celebrate Easter together is because we were rotten to the core. And we're looking forward to this Easter celebration because we've been rotting from the inside and God has said very clearly and promised a remedy to the situation and has offered a remedy to everyone who will hear his voice and take his hand. God took care of it and he brings healing through Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what all of this is pointing to. David himself is pointing us to Jesus, his sin pointing us to the redemption that Christ brings on the cross. And it's a reminder that one of the greatest political leaders in the course of ancient history cannot heal himself and neither can you. But God can. And God does. Before, before God, before we know God, our life becomes increasingly hollow to the point of collapse. Some of us find ourselves there this morning. But when God is near and we take the hand of God, God redeems us and, and brings us to the fullness of life again. God, God works to, to restore your life and heal your brokenness. This is God's character and God's nature is res restoration and healing. And so when we collapse, it's our own fault. See, that's the story of David. The reason David collapses in this moment and takes people out with him is because he's drifted from the word of God. He's drifted in his relationship with God and he is nowhere near God in these moments. God's not even mentioned to the very last word of the chapter. And that's why David collapsed. But if any of us remain standing, if any of us ever find the way through temptation, it is only by the hand of our God. See, when you come to God and ask for forgiveness, he will heal your heart and heal this land. You see, God, God, God's in that work. And God will always provide in that way. And not only will God provide healing in that hollowness of our soul, but God says very clearly in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it's part of the promise that he's going to provide a way of escape, a way out of those temptations, a way out of that sin. He says, you will never have to face that pain again if you take my hand and walk with me. But God has promised us this morning, for the devout Christian who has fallen away, God has said, take my hand and I will heal you and you don't have to face that pain again. For those that have never known him, he says the same thing. Come to me and I will heal that hollowness in your heart. And I will bring you to new life if you take my hand and walk with me. That's what God has promised you this morning. So let's take a stand with our God. Instead of acting like David in chapter 11 where he drifts, let's come in near God and know that healing that he has promised us. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful you have come and you have healed. Baptism is a picture of that, that redemption. Lord, and there's not a single person in this room who is not and has not been broken. Lord, we have fallen as David has. And as we lie in the dust of the earth, Lord, raise us up. Call the dry bones to life. Lord, we pray this morning that by your Holy Spirit you would wrap us up into your arms and make us whole again. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We're going to have our time of response now. And everybody in here is going to respond to God in some way. Now let me give you a little instruction. You see, we do this every week, but I'm trying to give you a little bit more prompting. You can, you can um, respond in these three ways that you see listed on the bottom of your listening sheet. Maybe turn your listening sheet over. If you want to journal or draw or understand God's call to obedience in your life, write that down. And so I want you to hear me here. You have permission 
to not sing. Aaron's already agreed to this. You have permission to not stand and not sing, but take some time to work through this. And so if you want to do those things, you can. You don't have to, though. Maybe you want to respond in another way. You can respond by singing. We're going to sing. But if you sing, you better sing from the bottom of your heart. And it's the same thing when we give. We're going to give joyfully. That, that, you're, that's going to be coming around in a minute, too. That's going to be our, one of our responses to God. The same way Brian and I are, are down front, this is your time to, to pray with us. If you want to talk about accepting Christ or joining this church, uh, come down. Come, come see Brian or I. We're here. Um, but also, one more. The, the altar is open. Uh, we expect you to come and pray here. And so let's respond. However God's calling you to respond this morning, maybe you just need to stay seated. Uh, maybe you need to come to the front. Um, or we can sing together. Everybody, let's respond. So if you're, if you're going to stand, this is your time to, to stand and respond. So let's respond to our God.
You may be seated. Friends, may we always come to worship expecting God to call us to action. May we always gather here expecting somehow to respond to the Lord. So I just want to echo what the pastor said. If God is calling you to just sit and be still, then that is your response to him. And I just, I want, I want God's will to be done. So may we always seek to be changed people when we walk out of here. We are continuing to worship, and as we prepare to give, consider this prayer prompt, and I hope you'll take this home and pray this all week as we consider what happens outside these walls. Father, your greatness will be seen by our community as we see our neighborhood as you do. Open our eyes to the needs of our downtown neighbors. Align our hearts to your will and your ways so we give strong evidence in this community of Christ among them and of your love for them. Help us tightly embrace your vision for placing us here so many more will trust Christ to be their Lord. Amen. Continue to worship. A couple of things for today in our life together. One, I hope you have seen or will see one of this. Th these. This is part of our Celebrate and Educate missions. And you, I hope you're aware, if you go out uh, these doors and go to the left in Unity Hall today, uh, many of our community missions people are set up there to help you become more informed about our missions efforts and our missions work. And this, this little booklet gives some of those things for you. You see seven different categories of local mission work that we're doing in this community, and all of it is good. And so I hope you'll come and learn more about those and walk out to Unity Hall. I think they may still have some candy left. They had candy out those tables, so you can go get some of that before lunch. 
So take the time for that today. Also, uh, this, this afternoon is our second spring area fellowship. So this is our time where we gather in homes across the city where hopefully you can go fellowship with some of our church members that are near your home and your side of town and we'll worship together and fellowship together and have dinner together. Um, so look for those this afternoon. Um, that will be good. Next, we're two weeks from Holy Week. And it is going to be a beautiful time in the life of this church and we want you to go ahead and carve out a week. We're not just celebrating Easter Sunday morning together, but we are celebrating Holy Week together. That begins next night, Palm Sunday, on the evening, in the evening, we will have a combined worship service, just a celebration of who Jesus is. And so we'll come together for that worship service on Sunday evening. Then Tuesday uh, at lunch, we have our concert series. And then Wednesday night, regular scheduled activities. Thursday night is our Monday Thursday service. And then we'll have a Seder meal as a part of that together. And we do need you to RSVP for that because we're, we're serving as a meal as a part of that time. And so we need a head count for that. So please RSVP online for the Seder meal. Friday night, we're having a Tenebrae, a Good Friday service, which is a service of darkness. Service of shadows that, that looks at the pain and suffering of the cross. Uh, Jesus is crucified and, and buried. And so we'll, we'll spend time together in worship Friday night as well. Then Sunday morning, 6.30 a.m., we have our sunrise service. And we'll, we'll do that together. We'll have breakfast together. Our deacons help lead that. It's a wonderful time in the life of this church. Then we'll kind of move forward with our regular schedule on, on Sunday morning after those. Um, but please note, each, each of those services is unique and pointing to Christ. And it's going to be wonderful for our Easter celebration together. So let's celebrate uh, a holy week um, together. We have uh, three welcome to the worlds this week, which is exciting. These pictures first, um, Rachel and Lawrence and, and their new son, Laurel. And so we're grateful for God for this new little baby boy. And then Santiago and Sarah also had a baby girl. Uh, this is Sophia. You see her there. And one more. We've been working together on celebrating uh, foster um, and adoption, foster care and adoption. And this week, or recently, we've also had a new little baby girl, Kate, that was adopted by uh, Meg and Jeremy Spencer. You see a little baby there on the, on the side of the picture. And so we celebrate with them, sort of welcoming this new little baby girl into our family, in this church family, as we celebrate foster care and adoption together as a church. So praise God for that and, and praise God for them. You also see in front of me these flowers, um, and these are to the glory of God and loving memory of Felisa Trevino, who is a part of our, our singles ministry. And so we miss her uh, with Rudy and Connie and Andrew, and uh, we thank God for her life, um, and we remember her well in these flowers. Thank you. Brian. Church family, from time to time, there are people who view the television broadcast of our service and who are not able to make it here due to um, disability or other issues, and uh, sometimes they want to be a part of this fellowship. We offer a way for them to join in absentia, as we say, and this morning we have someone uh, who fills that bill coming uh, to join in absentia, in absentia, Ophelia Gomez. She is actually the mother of First Baptist Church's own Linda Flores, and she is uh, giving testimony of her faith in Christ and wishes to join by statement. And so if you are willing to affirm this uh, person, Ophelia Gomez, joining in absentia uh, with this church this morning, would you signify by saying, I? I. And we love you. We do. That is wonderful. Well done, Brian. So grateful for you. We're dismissed to sing this great God of ours. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let us proclaim this as we are dismissed.
God bless you. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.